Well, welcome everybody. Uh, so glad to have you uh, joining us in our home and thankful that you're allowing us to come into your home today. And uh, we're going to be continuing in this series of messages called Tunnel, where we're exploring how to get through what you're going through. I mean, obviously, this global pandemic has uh, created a tunnel that all of us are having to walk through together. Uh, but over and above that, we're all also dealing with our individual tunnel circumstances. You know, maybe for you, uh, it's a financial tunnel. Maybe you're in a relational tunnel. Maybe you're in a tunnel dealing with some issue of your health. But we all have our unique tunnels. And as different as they are, the one thing that all tunnels have in common is that they are a breeding ground for worry. You know, when you're going through a, a tunnel, worry uh, just seems like the natural thing to do. Uh, in fact, sometimes it feels like it's the only thing that you can do. You know, it's always something to worry about. I guess the question is, should we? I mean, is worry ever an appropriate response in life? Well, I would say the answer is no. It's never okay or never a good thing to worry. Why would I say that? Well, for two reasons. One, from a practical standpoint, uh, worry is one of the most counterproductive things you can do. It's wasteful. It's wasteful use of your time and your thoughts because it never really accomplishes anything. You know, you've heard that statistic before probably. You know, something like 85% of the things we worry about never happen anyway. And the flip side of that is that most of the time, the bad things that do happen to us, we never saw them coming. We didn't even know we needed to be worried about it, right? I mean, three months ago, none of us were sitting around fretting about the potential of a global pandemic and a viral disease breaking out. And yet, here we are. That's why the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Man, what a great promise from, from worry to peace. But the question is, how do you do that? How do you win over worry in the tunnels of our lives? And so today, to help us do that, we're going to look at a true story of a guy who had every reason to worry and yet chose not only not to worry, but chose to act in faith in spite of his desire to worry. The guy we're talking about is a man named Jehoshaphat. And he was an incredible guy, a righteous man, uh, an incredible leader. And you'll find his story in the Old Testament book of Second Chronicles. And so if you have a Bible with you, and I hope you do, or a Bible app, I really want to encourage you to turn there or click there, Second Chronicles chapter 20, because this is an amazing story. And I really want you to see all the pieces and elements of how this story comes together. 
in the latter half of the Old Testament, the, the nation of Israel has been divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom, which is known as Israel, and then the southern kingdom, which is known as Judah. And Jehoshaphat, or Japhat, as I like to call him for short, Japhat is the king of the southern kingdom of Judah. And because of his leadership, his kingdom is known a, an extended period of, of peace and prosperity. Man, things are going well. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, Jehoshaphat gets some really bad news. And it begins in verse 1. Notice what it says. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Mayunites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. In other words, three nations have all united to come against Jehoshaphat, and they're not planning to come against him. They're already on the way. They're, they're getting close. I mean, this is a recipe for worry, right? You've got overwhelming odds and a limited amount of time. Some of you can identify with that. You've got some overwhelming odds you're facing in your life. You've got a, a limited amount of time. There's a clock ticking in your head, and you know you've only got so much time to deal with it. But as we unpack Japhat's story, we're going to see there's four choices that Japhat made that are the same choices that we can make to turn our worry into worship. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. Four choices to win over worry. The first choice is to choose prayer over panic. To win over worry, you have to choose prayer over panic. In other words, when you, when you feel yourself start to worry, when you feel panic start to rise up in you, that's a trigger. That's a trigger to pray, to take it to God in prayer. Check out what Japhat does. Verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was afraid, so he decided to ask the Lord what to do. Two things I want you to notice. One, Josephat's initial reaction. It's fear. He's afraid. And with good reason. He's got three armies coming against him at one time. He has a reason, a legitimate reason to fear. Listen, fear is not the issue. It's how we respond to that fear that matters. And Jehoshaphat's response, prayer, not panic, prayer. He doesn't ask for more information. He doesn't call his war council together to give him advice. His first thing, his first move is to hit his knees in prayer. I think our tendency a lot of times is to think of prayer as a last resort, you know, to try to do everything we can do to deal with the situation. And if nothing works, well, we better pray like that's a last resort. But as followers of Jesus, prayer is not our last resort. It is our first line of defense. And look, not only does Japhat himself pray, but look at what else he does. Verses 3 and 4. It says, He announced that everyone in Judah should fast during this special time of prayer to God. And the people of Judah came together and asked the Lord for help. They came from every town in Judah. In other words, he invites others to come and, and pray with him. 
You know, last week we were talking about the fact that one of the greatest resources that God gives us to get through the tunnels that we're going through are the other people that he puts in our lives. And one of the best ways they can come alongside us in our tunnels is through prayer. That's why being a part of a home group is so important. You remember from uh, the Lloyd story last week about what it meant to them to have other people praying with them and praying for them in their tunnel. That's why we offer this uh, prayer email uh, at all of our online services so that you can get other folks, our prayer team, our prayer encouragers, praying for you. Because if you want to win over worry, it's going to start by choosing prayer over panic. Now, this idea of, of praying in times of worry sounds really good, sounds super spiritual, but from a practical standpoint, how does prayer help? What does prayer do to reduce my worry? Well, if you look at Jehoshaphat's prayer, and it's found in verses 6 through 12, it is a phenomenal prayer. In fact, in the margin of my Bible, I have written out beside there, prayer for a worrier, because it's a great model to pray when you're feeling worried, but it also does some things that help that can help reduce the worry that we feel. And one of the things prayer does to help is it reminds me of who God is. Notice the beginning of Japhat's prayer, verse 6. He prays and says, Lord, God of our ancestors, you are the God in heaven. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. You have power and strength, so no one can stand against you. What's he doing? He's focusing on who God is, not how big the problem is. It's a change of perspective because whatever you focus on is always going to get bigger. And worry is always about focusing on the problem, on the issue. And the more you focus on it, the more you worry about it, the bigger it gets. But the more you focus on God, the bigger you see God get. And the smaller your problem, your issue becomes in comparison. Look, prayer not only changes our focus, but prayer is also a great opportunity to remember God's faithfulness. And that's what Japhat does in his prayer. He remembers what God has done. And that's how prayer helps. It helps me remember what God's done. Notice verse 7. Japhat continuing to pray. He says, Our God, you forced out the people who lived in this land as your people Israel moved in. And you gave this land forever to the descendants of your friend, Abraham. You see what he's doing there? He's reaching back in the history of his nation and the stories he's heard of God's faithfulness from previous generations. He's remembering God's faithfulness to his promise to Abraham. He's remembering God's faithfulness when Moses led the people across the wilderness and led them into the promised land. In fact, these three nations that are coming against Jehoshaphat, the Ammonites and the Amorites and the Mayunites and all these knights that are coming together, guess what? Those were some of the exact same nations that were in the land when the children of Israel took over. See, God had already defeated these people before and through this prayer. 
Japhat is remembering and reminding himself and reminding the nation that this is a battle God has ever already won. You know, I, I understand this pandemic and the quarantine has created a lot of bad things. It's a tough situation, and I'm not trying to minimize it. But I also know our nation, our community, the church, our parents, our grandparents, our, our great-grandparents, they've all been through things that were, in my opinion, way worse than what we're going through right now. And listen, the same God who got them through that tunnel they were going through is the God who is able to get us through what we're going through. And prayer is just a great way to remind ourselves of who God is. I think a third way that prayer really helps us in a practical sense is it helps me realize my inadequacy. Now, I know that sounds counterintuitive, right? When you're facing a big problem, the last thing you want to think about is how inadequate you are. And yet, recognizing my inadequacy is essential for getting through what I'm going through. Again, look back at Jabez's prayer. This is how he wraps up, or I'm sorry, Japhat's prayer. This is how he wraps it up. Verse 12, he says, we have no power against this large army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, so we look to you for help. Man, man there's some honesty. Japhat's saying, not only do we not know what to do, but even if we knew what to do, it wouldn't be enough. Recognizing my inadequacy is the first step to accessing God's power to get through what you're going through. Look, if you think you can get through this tunnel you're in on your own, that's exactly how you'll go through it, on your own. Not because God doesn't want to give you his power to get you through it. It's because you've closed the door on that power by trying to do it yourself. That's why the, the second choice you have to make to win over worry is to choose to depend on God rather than myself. What I mean by that is to move from asking God for help in prayer to actually letting God help. And that's what Japhat does. When Japhat finishes praying, God almost immediately answers his prayer. And I want you to look at what God says to him. Verse 15, he says, don't be afraid or discouraged because of this large army. And then check this out. He says, the battle is not your battle. It's God's battle. One of the reasons we are so worried, so stressed out in the circumstances of our lives is because oftentimes we're fighting battles that we were never meant to fight. It's exhausting to try to control people, to try to control circumstances because we're not capable of doing it. But God can. You know, it's interesting when God says to Japhat and the people, this battle's not your battle. He doesn't tell them, just sit back, relax, you know, kick back in the recliner with some Cheetos and chill out, and I'll take care of this. He doesn't say stay at home. He says, it's my battle, but there's two things you've got to do. Look at verse 17. He says, you won't need to fight this battle, but here's what you got to do. Just stand strong in your places, and you will see the Lord save you. So go out 
against those people tomorrow. Did you catch that? First, God says you got to stand strong in your places. What does that mean to stand strong in your places? It's talking more about the attitude of your heart rather than the position of your feet. Standing strong in your places is that deep settled confidence that comes from knowing and trusting that God is in control of the details of your life. You got to stand strong, but God also says, look, you got to go out. You got to show up. It's, it's not your battle, but you got to go through the fight. Because look, it, it's not God's desire that you go through life trying to avoid all the tunnels that you can. God wants you to go through those tunnels because it's in those tunnels that you learn a lot about who God really is. And it's in those tunnels that God can begin to shape and mold and develop character and faith and strength in you. But you got to go through that tunnel depending on God and not on yourself. Third choice you have to make to win over worry is to choose to thank God in advance. It's easy to thank God on the other side of the tunnel when you know how everything is going to work out. But winning over worry requires thanking God before you know the outcome. And that's exactly what Japhat does. Notice in verse 21, it says, the king, that's Japhat, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. That's a strange thing, isn't it, for, for him to do? I mean, get an image of that. They're going into battle against this overwhelming collection of three armies. And what does Japhat do? He picks the singers, the musicians, and puts them at the head of the army. Look, that, that's a crazy strategy. It's obviously Japhat didn't attend the George S. Patton School of Battlefield Tactics, right? Because if you're going into a battle, who do you want in the front? Who do you want the enemy to see first? Your biggest, baddest dudes. You want the SEALs. You want Delta Force. You, you know, you want your commandos out front. And what does JFAT do? He picks the singers. I mean, no offense to our worship team, but, but who's going to be intimidated by a bunch of guys in skinny jeans and, and spiky hair, right? And yet, what is JFAT doing here? He is choosing to thank God in advance. It's a symbolic gesture. Look, thanking God after the battle's over is gratitude. Thanking him before the battle's been fought is faith. And faith is the antidote to worry. And when he does that, check out the result. Verse 22. This is so cool. It says, at the very moment they begin to sing, and give praise, the Lord calls the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. Look, look, I don't know what tunnel you're going through right now. I don't know the battle you're fighting in your life, but I do know this. If you thank God in advance, you've already won. And then finally, number four, the Fourth choice that helps us win over worry is to choose to look for the blessings 
in the bad. And I think that's one of the things we've all seen over these last six weeks. Uh, um, a lot of good things in and among the bad things, right? I mean, as bad as this situation has been, there's some really good things that have already started to come out of it, right? I mean, spending more time with family, having to live more day in and day out, being more in the moment, more present, getting a clearer picture of what are the truly important things in life. Those have been some good things in the middle of all of this bad stuff. And you see that with Japhat as well. Notice verse 24 and 25. It says, So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. These enemies had completely wiped each other out. Now listen, this is a bad scene. Bloody bodies scattered as far as the eye could see. Let me tell you something. There are no pretty battlefields. And there's going to be some bad stuff all around you in this tunnel that you're going through. But I can tell you this, there are also going to be some blessings in the midst of all that bad stuff. Certainly happened with Japhat. Notice what it says. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder, and they found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry off. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. God wants to bless you in ways you could never have dreamed of. But I can tell you this, that blessing is not typically found in health or wealth or any of the things that we want. Many of the biggest, many of the best blessings that God wants to put in our lives are going to be found in the middle of some of the most difficult and darkest days of our lives. We just have to be willing to choose to look for those blessings in the middle of all that bad. I don't know the tunnel you're in. I don't know the damage it's causing you, the people around you. But I do know this. There are choices you can make. You can choose worship over worry. And when you do that, you will find peace in that tunnel. And that peace will give you a joy that transcends human understanding. Notice the end of the story, verse 27. It says, Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for this reminder. In the midst of these tunnels we're in, in the middle of the struggle, the darkness, the difficulty. There's so much that we could worry about and maybe so much that we think we should be worrying about. But I thank you that we can choose joy over worry, that we can choose to turn that worry into worship. And so I pray for every person watching this today, wherever they are, whatever's going on in their lives. Father, I pray that you would give them the wisdom and strength, give all of us 
the wisdom and strength to make those choices, to experience that peace and joy through worshiping you in the tunnels of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we get ready to wrap up today, just want to encourage you in a couple of things. One, um, don't forget, there are a lot of great resources available on our website, cedarcreekchurch.net. I would encourage you to check that out. A lot of tools that our team and staff have been putting together. Just some things to help you keep moving on, keep getting through. We don't know how much longer this is going to last and, and what it's going to be like. But we do know that we don't have to go through this alone. We have God's strength, God's power, but we also have our church family. And so I want to encourage you to lean into that. Also want to remind you, uh, if we can be praying for you, something going on, uh, just use that confidential prayer email, prayer247 at cedarcreekchurch.net. We'll follow up with you. If you have questions, you need to connect in some way, you want to reach out, you want to get plugged into a home group, there are links right there in the comment section of whatever platform you're watching on. I just want to encourage you to take advantage of that. Take that next step. God doesn't want to waste this tunnel. And there are some great next steps that can grow our faith to a whole nother level. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. And when you're done watching here, I would encourage you to jump on over to your campus's Facebook page. Uh, your campus pastor has an update and some information for you. So thank you so much for joining us. God bless you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.